0: Shall we begin? Let's begin. And transitions are really your opportunity as the writer to be that guide for your reader. Welcome to Writecast, a casual conversation for serious writers. I'm Brittany Coleman Arneson.
1: And I'm Beth Nasichowski.
0: In today's episode, we're going to take a closer look at transitions both within and between paragraphs, talking about how to incorporate transitions that look effortless.
1: So today we're going to be talking about transitions both within and between paragraphs, and we're going to focus on two types of transitions that you can include, both global and more local or kind of within paragraph transitions. Transitions are are something that I like to talk a lot about with students because I think a lot of students know that they need to use transitions and they want to make sure that their ideas connect, but it can be a little unclear about how exactly to create transitions or how to include them. So in particular, it's really important to include transitions because transitions are really what help lead your reader through your ideas. And Maybe it's helpful at this point too to clarify that when we talk about transitions, we're not just talking about smaller words like additionally or however, although those are of course transitions and are very useful and we'll talk more about those. But transitions also just mean kind of connecting ideas and making sure that your ideas are logically sort of organized so that your reader can can really follow them very clearly. So one thing I like to really emphasize with transitions is that they're really there for your reader um, You're creating transitions or including transitions, not necessarily for you as the writer, but for your reader so that your reader can follow along. So let's start with talking about global transitions and looking at transitions between paragraphs.
0: Yeah, Beth, I love uh, this idea of the transition being for the reader, because I think that that's a perspective that academic writers don't always have when they first start out in their sort of academic writing careers. And we've talked about this in different ways on the podcast before, this idea that sometimes scholarly writing or academic writing can feel like more of a a show almost, like an opportunity Mm -hmm. to prove all the stuff you know than it is sort of mm-hmm. a, a narrative or kind of a cohesive unit on its own. And I think a lot of times students as they're starting out do really feel like the purpose of each paper they're writing is to prove to their professor that they know some stuff and get a good grade and move on. And that is part of it, of course. But I think the key here is that what you're, one of the skills that you're trying to build in addition to, um, you know, memorizing facts is this ability to sort of synthesize those facts together into a sort of mini story almost. And that's what each paper, each sort of unit of writing can be. And transitions are really your opportunity as the writer to be that guide for your reader. And so it's not just a matter of saying, here's a bunch of stuff, reader, bam, bam, bam. It's saying, here's something, and then let me tell you about this other thing, but I'm going to show you that it's related to this first thing in certain ways. And really gently, gently guiding your reader from one idea to the next so that your reader sort of absorbs your ideas without even really noticing that they're absorbing them. So it's it's making your argument mm-hmm. stronger by guiding the reader through those ideas and showing how they relate to one another. That's kind of the key, I think, behind transitions. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, certainly. And I think our first uh, section of transitions or type of transitions that we're going to talk about, global transitions, definitely fall in that camp, right, Brittany? Because you know, the global transitions aren't actually what we often think about when we think of transitions because they're not quite as obvious, but they really do help guide your reader. They're kind of like you being mm-hmm. kind to the reader. That's what I was thinking of when you were talking there. You're kind of being kind to the reader by including these these things, and it kind of should look effortless. So you might not think of the things we're going to talk about for global transitions because oftentimes they're incorporated so effortlessly that we don't think of them really as transitions right away. Right. Exactly.
0: Yes, completely. I think that's a that's a really good point that it's kind of it's hard to learn how to do those just by looking at even if you're looking at really good pieces of writing because you might not even notice that they're doing it if they're doing it really artfully. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's not to say that the, it can't be learned because it absolutely can. And we're going to give you some tips on how to how to learn how to incorporate <laughs> that's those. What we're yes. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, with that being said, let's talk a little bit about these global level transitions. And I think before we start, it would be helpful to kind of define these terms that we're using for the reader, global and local. We use these terms a lot in writing instruction. And it may be that our listeners have heard them before, but Just for clarity's sake, we're using the term global to refer to sort of the paper level, right? So you've got your whole paper and maybe your units that you break down one level smaller than that are your paragraphs. So when we talk about global, we're kind of talking about how you get from one big idea to the next big idea, maybe from one paragraph to the next paragraph or one set of paragraphs or section to the next set of paragraphs or section. Whereas when we talk about a local transition or something that's happening on a local level in the paper, we're talking more about kind of the sentence level or even even more nitty gritty than that, like the word level or the, you know, mm-hmm. talking about punctuation or those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about global transitions, we're really talking about the flow of big ideas in your paper and how you're supporting the main argument of your paper and how you're kind of helping the reader understand the different pieces of evidence that you're providing to support that main argument. And, and I think a good place to start when we're talking about that is to, to talk about the paragraph as kind of a unit. So really, in your paper, each paragraph should represent one idea. And we've talked about this in other resources on paragraphing as well, that each paragraph should have a topic sentence, that topic sentence should express a main idea, and then you use the rest of the paragraph to support that main idea. So if you think about a paragraph as a unit, and that unit being one idea, if you have multiple paragraphs in your paper, you need to help the reader understand how to get from one idea to the next idea. And so that's kind of where these global transitions come in, is how to get the reader from the end of one paragraph to the beginning of the next paragraph without them feeling like they've kind of been jolted into a new reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so one of the first strategies that we're going to talk about or that we'll suggest for you to create transitions between paragraphs is the topic sentence. So the topic sentence is the first sentence of a paragraph, and it helps introduce the focus of the paragraph Sometimes, when we're teaching topic sentences, we also call it sort of like the introduction to the paragraph. So, just like you have an introduction to your paper, you have a one sentence topic sentence that introduces the focus of that paragraph. And that topic sentence shouldn't include, you know, really specific information or statistics or analysis or anything. It's more like a general introduction to kind of ease the reader into that particular paragraph. And what can happen there is that topic sentence can help the reader understand, okay, what's going to be coming next in that paragraph. And can also kind of help clarify how that paragraph's ideas can connect to the previous paragraph. So if you're looking for sort of a way to connect paragraphs and connect ideas between paragraphs, you can do that in sort of the topic sentence by sort of referring back to the focus of the previous paragraph and then relating it to the focus of the current paragraph. That can be a useful
0: technique. I think it's really helpful to think about the topic sentence as kind of the introduction of each paragraph. Now, keep in mind that it's going to be challenging to transition smoothly between paragraphs if the paragraphs are in an illogical order, or if the order of the information in the paper doesn't really follow, you know, one idea to the next. And so I just wanted to add that in there to remind our listeners and our writers that It may be that in your first couple of drafts, you don't have your information in the most logical order possible. That's a completely normal stage to be in when you're drafting a piece of writing. And um, as we've reiterated many times before, um, you learn to write by writing and you learn about your ideas through writing, which means that uh, you aren't going to just write a beautiful, fluid first draft with all of your ideas fully formed. Um, The very first time that you put pen to paper or finger to keyboard. So just keep in mind that if you're trying to work on transitions and it feels really awkward and you can't quite figure out how to get from one idea to the next, it may be that you need to actually reorganize the order of those paragraphs a little bit and move stuff around. And you can do that by doing what's called reverse outlining. We won't get into that too much here but we do have a lot of other resources on reverse outlining that you can use to guide you if you need to do that. But just keep in mind that if you're working on these global level transitions and you're really kind of hitting a wall, it may be that your information is in the wrong order and you need to, mm-hmm. you need to reorganize it a little bit. Yeah,
1: and related to that, Brittany, I'd also say that headings can be a useful tool, both for considering how you might need to reorganize, but also for guiding the reader. Mm, yeah. And I know headings are different than paragraphs, so so bear with me here. Um, but they're connected in that when you have a heading, what you're basically telling the reader is that anything that follows that heading, any of the paragraphs that follow that particular heading are sort of categorized with this information, right? So if my heading is High School Teachers Professional Development, you know that any paragraphs following that heading should relate to that general topic or label of High School Teachers Professional Development. And so headings can be useful for the reader and sort of helping the reader see how things can connect and sort of the commonality between paragraphs as well. But alternatively, headings can also be useful because you can check and see, you know, are my paragraphs organized clearly? Is it easy enough to add headings in? Or am I having trouble with headings? And maybe the trouble is not the headings themselves, but the organization of the paragraphs. Or maybe you need to move paragraphs into other sections or things like that. Right. Great tip. Great tip. So a couple of things to avoid when you're working on these
0: global-level transitions, these sort of paragraph-level transitions. The first one I see a lot, and it's a really good instinct. So I often see students sort of leading into another paragraph, the subsequent paragraph, at the end of the current paragraph. And so that might look like sort of instead of wrapping up and concluding, by summarizing or or giving kind of a closing statement for the main idea that you've expressed in the current paragraph, saying in the next paragraph I will discuss blah 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 or something like that, and it may not be as overt as that, but um, I do see this a lot, and I think I think this tendency can come from sometimes a little bit of confusion over what the L in the meal plan means. Mm-hmm. So. We talk about the meal plan as a paragraphing tool, M-E-A-L, stand for different pieces of the paragraph, and L stands for lead out, which is probably the most confusing of the four in terms of how it's labeled. And I think sometimes students look at that and say, oh, that means that I'm supposed to sort of tell the reader what what I'm going to do next, um, lead them out of the paragraph. And that's really, it's really kind of a misnomer because That can actually be really jarring and sort of disorienting for the reader. Sometimes I like to talk about it as going on a hike. So the paragraph is like, sorry, the paper is like going on a hike. And each paragraph is like a leg of the hike. And you are the guide with the map. And you are guiding your reader on this hike from point A to point B. And so imagine that you've been hiking down the trail on this leg and and you've been saying to your reader the whole time, don't worry, we're almost there you know, up here we're going to pass this beautiful mountain range and then we're going to cross this stream and then we're going to sit down at this picnic table and have lunch. But then when you get to the picnic table, instead of sitting down and having lunch, you say, oh, and next we're going to get up and we're going to go see this and we're going to go see that. Like, never mind, get up and go over here. We're going to, you know, we're going to do the next leg of the trip. Your reader might be, well, really annoyed with you and also confused because they'd been sort of going along expecting that they were going to get a bit of a rest before getting introduced to, you know, a whole new leg of the journey. And that concluding sentence of the paragraph is like the rest. It's like sitting down at the picnic table at the shelter. And taking a little break and sort of summing up so maybe it's saying, remember when we saw that beautiful mountain range and oh yeah, we crossed that stream. Letting the reader have a little bit of a rest before you say, okay, we've been sitting down here for 10 minutes. Now it's time to get up. We're going to go over here now. And I, I don't know that there are a lot of different metaphors that we could use to talk about this. But I think that that's one way to talk about sort of when that transition should happen and how it can be a little bit jarring if you introduce the transition too early.
1: Right. Because everyone likes a rest. Exactly. I was waiting to say that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy, Brittany. That's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. So if we want to include our transition between paragraphs at the start of the new paragraph, then we also have to be a little bit careful that that transition or that sort of topic sentence, the start of the new paragraph, isn't really repetitive or I guess, really obvious either. Sometimes I think students have this tendency to really want to make sure that the directions that they're giving the reader are really explicit and, and really, really, you know, out there where they can see it right away. And that's a good impulse, again, but often a little bit unnecessary. And so specifically, you know, sometimes students will repeat transitional words at the start of each paragraph. They'll use things like next or second or then or additionally at the beginning of each new paragraph. And that's not really necessary because you're including a new paragraph, you're starting a new paragraph and a new point. The reader knows that something is happening next or that something else is mm-hmm. is going to come here. So it's kind of implied already. The other thing is you you don't really need to say things like, um, and my next point is, or or things like that. And You also don't necessarily need to explicitly refer to the previous paragraph's point sometimes. Sometimes it's necessary, in particular, if two paragraphs are sort of related, but the relationship isn't very explicit or really obvious, then it is helpful to say, you know, something that refers directly to the previous paragraph. But Oftentimes, the reader can kind of infer the connection between your ideas, right? So if my first paragraph talks about, you know, high school teacher professional development and my second paragraph talks about elementary school teacher professional development, the connection there is pretty clear, right? We're talking about professional development in two different types of teaching. So I don't necessarily need to make it really explicit, the connection between those two things. I don't need to say elementary school professional development and high school professional development are both types of professional development or something like that. (laughs) It just gets kind of repetitive, right? So it's also important just to think about balancing really clear transitions and leading reader with also not being too overt or too explicit or obvious when it's not necessary. And that is, is a balance. And it's something that as a writer, you'll, you'll get a better sense of that balance as you continue and, and gain more confidence and more experience writing. Right.
0: Like anything, it takes practice. It won't be easy right away, but it'll get easier the more you do it. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little bit now about local transitions within paragraphs. Um, These are similar in certain ways to the global transitions that we've been talking about in that they also help guide the reader through your ideas and make connections between different ideas. Um, However, there are, as I mentioned before, more at the sort of granular level of the paper. So inside the sentence, or they have more to do with word choice and things like that than like the flow of big ideas. And really the key, I think, to remember about local transitions is that they are going to help sort of knit together the evidence and analysis pieces of your paragraph. So if you remember the meal plan and how that sort of guides you through the different pieces of a successful paragraph, those middle of the sandwich pieces of that paragraph are the evidence component, and the analysis component. So the information that you are taking out from outside sources and putting in your paper as support of your main idea of that paragraph, that's the evidence piece, of course, and then your own analysis, your own voice coming in and making a sort of value statement about that evidence or showing how that evidence relates to the specific topic of your paragraph and of your paper. And those can feel kind of abrupt if you don't use those local transitions. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about in this section is how to make that marriage between evidence and analysis a little bit more harmonious. I like
1: your point, Brittany, or the way that you've said the marriage between the evidence and analysis, because I think we talk about them separately, but they really need to kind of be melded together Mm -hmm. in the paragraph. So I think that's a great way to think about it.
0: Cool. So let's talk some strategies. The first one that I think is really the thing that we think of most when we think about sentence level transitions are these sort of explicit transitional words and phrases. So phrases that show relationship or make connection between ideas. Some really common ones are like, next or second or additionally or however, those kinds of words that, you know, we kind of traditionally think of as transition words. And those can be really helpful words, and they can certainly help you draw those uh, connections between the evidence and the analysis in your paragraph.
1: The second kind of transition that you can include is my favorite kind. It's called implicit transitional words and phrases. And I think I kind of made up this this term to, to refer to these things. But um, I think it's really useful to think about not just ways that we can include explicit transitional words, but also the implicit things that we do in sentence structure and word choice and punctuation that help connect ideas as well. And, and this is a little bit less of something that we usually think about when we think of transitions, but it's things like Even just a word like also or and can create transitions and connect ideas. Also, if you connect, you know, ideas into one sentence, you're creating a sort of implicit transition. And the same can be said when you're using certain kinds of punctuation. I really like to use semicolons and dashes in my writing to show connections between ideas. So that's another way that you can sort of imply a connection between ideas without using these sort of explicit transitions. And that kind of leads me um, or leads us to a couple of things that we wanted to avoid as well is that explicit transitions can be really useful, but they can be sort of choppy and distracting if you repeat them too much. Right. And
0: sort of along the same lines, um, using too many of those explicit transition words can be really repetitive and overwhelming for the reader and can sort of take away the power of those words, too. If you are using Mm -hmm. them uh, too often, if you're overusing them, they sort of lose their meaning. So, you know, saying additionally before every sentence is not going to have as much impact as if you were to save that transition word for a place where you really want to emphasize that this information is coming in addition to what came before it. Mm-hmm. And the same applies, I think, across the board for those those more explicit transitional words.
1: Yeah. Sometimes we'll get questions from students about what is the best transitional word to use or what's the most preferred transitional word. and And there really is no one size fits all answer here. When you're thinking about transitions within paragraphs, you really want to kind of use all of these different options. So you can think of them as all sort of tools in your toolbox that you can deploy and to use um, in different parts of your writing to create transitions, but also avoid that repetition.
0: So To wrap up here, we want to talk a little bit more about how to begin actually doing this. So we've given you some tips about what to use in your paper (laughs) to improve the transitions both between paragraphs and between sentences inside a paragraph. Now we want to talk about sort of the process of learning to do this and revising for transitions as you're working on a draft. So the first thing that I want to emphasize is that you do not have to incorporate all of this on the first try. That may feel really overwhelming. And I would put transitions on the sort of later end of the revision process in general. So like I was saying earlier, if you don't have your ideas fully fleshed out, if you don't, haven't quite figured out the flow of the ideas, the order that they should come in, the kind of logical progression, that type of thing, it's going to be really tough to work on, especially those global transitions, the paragraph level transitions. You know, as you're writing your paragraphs, you can start to try to do the sentence level transitions, the local transitions more. But Again, if you don't if you don't have them right away, it's okay. If if it feels choppy at first, it's okay. This is definitely something that you can work on in your revising process, and as you keep working through your drafts and and continue to evaluate your drafts. So don't worry if you don't get these all in there right away at the very beginning.
1: And then the thing that I would just add to that as well, Brittany, is that you can also look at your writing, you know, step by step for each of these areas of transitions. So we've talked about global and local and you don't have to revise or add in both global and local revisions at the same time. <laughs> what I what I usually suggest to students is that they kind of separate their revision process so that as they revise, they read through their draft, you know, for one area that they want to work on and then read through it again for another area and kind of take it stage by stage and that can be really useful in kind of breaking down that revision process.
0: I love that. That seems so manageable. It's like a checklist. I like my checklists.
1: Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. All right. So um, for more information about transitions from our website and our blog, go to our website and search in the top right corner, transitions, and you'll find lots of other information. And you might also take a look and search for paragraphs as well if you're looking for more tips on how to kind of create those topic sentences and see examples of paragraphs. That's a great idea. And that's it from us for the year. So we hope that you have a great rest of the year. And we are excited to come back again in January. We are thinking about ways to help you jumpstart your writing practice in January. And we're going to have a great podcast episode coming with writing instructors, Max and Jess, who will be talking about mindful writing. So we'll be interviewing them a little bit about that.
0: Thanks so much for listening this year, everyone. We hope you have a great holiday and happy new year.
1: WriteCast is a
0: production of the Walden University Writing Center. This episode was produced by me, Brittany Coleman arneson my co-host, Beth Nastachowski, and our colleague, Anne Scheel.